Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Ken. And my name is Dean. And we will be reading Philippians 4, verses 10 through 15. I was very glad in the Lord because now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course you were always concerned but had no way to show it. I'm not saying this because I need anything, for I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. I know the experience of being in need and of having more than enough. I have learned the secret of being content in in every circumstance, whether full or hungry, or whether having plenty or being poor. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. Still, you have done well to share my distress. You Philippians know from the time of my first mission work in Macedonia how no church shared in supporting my ministry except you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ken and Dean, thank you so much. Y'all are a pretty good team. I just have y'all do it every week. Great job. We appreciate that. I very much appreciate uh, Pastor Dale's uh, prayer a little bit ago for uh, Ukraine. Among the many things uh, to think about in that situation is, you know, we, we United Methodists, we're a, we're a global church. And so there are United Methodist churches in the Ukraine. There are United Methodist churches in Russia as well. So it's kind of hard to even imagine what that would be like together for worship with all that going on over there. So prayers for our brothers and sisters uh, in harm's way. I have learned the secret, Paul says, to be content in any circumstance. Wouldn't you like to know that secret? I mean, to be content in any circumstance. What's the special sauce? Where's the Kool-Aid I need to drink to be able to know I can have that? Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty, pretty great. Now, make no mistake, I'm not saying that, that you would be happy with the circumstance or you would be satisfied with the outcome of a circumstance or that you would even like a circumstance. It's not that, but contentment in the midst of that. It just means, it would mean that you're, well, that you're okay. You're at peace. Maybe a, a peace that is beyond comprehension. Shalom. So when I was, uh, many, many years ago, I, I was in a situation where I was going to be doing a, a funeral for someone who was younger than me. Uh, at the time, I was in my mid-30s, and uh, uh, there was a, a, a guy who had just really started coming to church. Uh, he had, was not a church person, and, uh, but, but uh, he worked with somebody who was active in our church, and that person said, hey, you just ought to go talk to the, the pastor, because he was kind of struggling with some things in life. And, so we, we'd gotten to know each other, we chatted, he had started coming to church some, and, uh, and then it wasn't long after that, actually, that found out he had a malignant tumor on his spine. And, you know, the only treatment they could do would be something that would just give him some more time. Um, and that was really all. So our, our conversations became a little more urgent, because uh, he was trying to figure out how to how to be at peace in the last months of his life. 
So he, he told me a story one day. He said, you know, uh, he was a, uh, an EMT uh, volunteer. You know, those very small towns, they have a volunteer fire department, a volunteer emergency medical technician. So he was uh, one of the ambulance guys. And uh, they got a call to go to a home and get there. And there's, uh, he said, just this uh, a 98-year-old woman who's just tiny, frail-looking, kind of that picture of vulnerability. And she had fallen and broken a hip. So they, they were doing all the things, they got her you know, ready, and they got her on the gurney, and they're kind of finishing the last things up before they could go take her out to the, to the ambulance, and he happened to look over at her, and uh, she was smiling, and their eyes met. And so he, just, he said, I just kind of took a couple steps towards her and said, ma'am, are you okay? And her response was, oh, I'll always be okay. And he told me, he said, Jeff, that's what I want. That's what I want. So today, uh, this is an important teaching that goes right along with what we've been talking about uh, as uh, in, in this series, the words into actions messages, uh, where we've been looking at that statement that we we put on we put out there. We say it that we seek to be a joyful community that strives to live and love like Jesus. What does that mean? How do you do it? What are the qualities and characteristics we need to develop? We've been talking about that for the last several weeks. Going through the book of Ephesians, I'm sorry, of Philippians, uh, all the way through to learn in the depth of the Scripture what we do to be that church. So uh, there's, there's a name, it's kind of an odd name, but let me just see if anybody knows the name, uh, knows who this is when I say the name Faith Popcorn. Anybody? There was one in the earlier service, that was pretty cool, uh, that raised a hand. Um, Faith Popcorn started her own marketing agency, this was back in the 80s, uh, and she was a futurist. Now, that's not a psychic. She was a person who, could read, who, who would read about all the trends that were happening in, in political circles and, uh, and in society and in medicine and uh, in technology and all of those things, and she would say, you know, 20 years from now, our life is going to be like this. She had a popcorn report that came out every year saying, here's what we're seeing now, here are the trends, looking ahead. And she coined some terms that we still use today, uh, and one of those is the term cocooning. Cocooning, in description of a sociological phenomenon that was actually started, started way back in the 80s, and it's, it's been going along uh, pretty strongly. Here's what she says, Faith Popcorn describes cocooning this way. The impulse to go inside when it just gets too tough and scary outside. To pull a shell of safety around yourself. Cocooning is about insulation and avoidance. Peace and protection. Coziness and control. A sort of hyper-nesting. Now, we were doing this way before the pandemic started. I mean, right, it's just part of this normal to us. It's just what we do that you, you drive home and you push a button and the garage door goes up and you go in and you push a button and the garage door goes down and you go into a house you, where you may not emerge for many hours or days even because you have everything you need, right? We have everything we need. We have all the entertainment you need. We have multiple ways to communicate with the outside world. If you have kids and they want to play, well, there's a playground in the backyard, some folks have a pool in the backyard. Don't have to go anywhere to go swimming. It's right there. 
not feeling well, we'll call, call up your doctor, have a telehealth visit on your computer. And they'll call in a prescription, which could get delivered to you. And when you need groceries, you can order it online. You go to the grocery store, they put it in your trunk, and you drive away. In some ways, in some ways cocooning helped prepare us for the pandemic. Now, certainly, there was some adaptation that had to happen, and some businesses had to kind of get up to speed with all of this. But we kind of had all the necessary things. We even learned to work from home in our cocoon. This nice, safe place where we can live. So it's helpful in a lot of ways. Some really great things about that. But trade-offs. As a wise retired pastor told me many years ago, there are always trade-offs. So with all the benefits of cocooning, as we experience it, as much of normal life as that is, with all those benefits... There's a lack of social connection. A lack of social connection. More and more people report feeling lonely and isolated. A lack of social connection. Now, I know we say, well, we, well, we have all of our electronics. We can keep up with people on Facebook and, and whatever other social media you use and all those kinds of things. But they, there's, a, there's some studies that indicate that uh, the more you're on social media, the more likely you are to report that you are lonely and isolated. Pets. The number of pets that were purchased during the pandemic. I mean, we were cocooning anyway, but all of a sudden it's like, well, let's get a pet. And that kind of becomes a surrogate connection for us. But the digital connection cannot substitute for the human connection. So interestingly, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippian church when he was in isolation. It was forced isolation, but he was in prison. He was in the imperial jail, which is where they put the political prisoners, not the common criminals. This is where you've, you've uh, wronged or offended someone high up the food chain in the administration and in the Roman Empire that would be in the imperial jail. And generally, generally in that case, the decision is more about whether do we execute the person now or later. So Paul is literally in jail wondering how many days he will live. Doesn't seem to be on this occasion, but in, a, in the future, the Romans did execute Paul. So this is a very real kind of uh, difficult time. And so all the more remarkable that when you read the letter to the Philippians, it's joyful. Many times he says, he uses the word joy and rejoice and be glad. And all, I mean, just, it, it, and all the love and affection that's expressed back and forth and the hope and the confidence Wow. But you see, he's learned the secret. He's learned the secret. And the secret, he says in verse 12, is, I have learned the secret to be content in any and every circumstance. Now, now note, contentment is not the secret. Contentment is the byproduct of the secret. But the secret is this, he says in verse 13. I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. 
I can endure all these things through the power of the one who gives me strength. That's, that's the secret. It's the power of God that carries him through, that regardless of how bad the situation is, God is with him. God is there, and no matter how difficult, how, how seemingly impossible, God's power gives him strength to get through it. God's power gives strength. That's the secret. This is a theme throughout the Bible, friends. I mean, all through the Bible, Old Testament, all into New. This theme of that that life is hard. And we're all going to go through difficult things from time to time. All of us. But God does not abandon us. God is with us. And God gives us strength and peace and, and comfort and whatever the things we need to get through the difficult time. And more than that, the Bible teaches that when we go through those difficult times... Through God's power, we learn and we grow and we become more whole and more mature. And when we realize how, God, how good God has been to us through all of this, we praise and worship God. That's the pattern all the way through the Bible. So Paul's not saying something here that he's introducing as a new idea. That God's power gives strength. I'm going, to ask, I'm going to invite you to say it with me, those in the room and those of you at home. God's power gives strength. Right. Embed those words in your head. So it is interesting that the, the very next verse, verse 14, says, Still, you have done well to share in my distress. It seems kind of like an interesting thing. He's just said, God's power is with me. But he's talking about the people, and they share in his distress. Why, where does that fit in here exactly? Well, we kind of have to loop back to verse 10 to kind of see how this ties together. That He says in verse 10, I was very glad in the Lord, because now at last you have shown concern for me again. Of course, he says, you were always concerned, but had no way to show it. Okay, so let's just make sure we're kind of connecting the dots here. So Paul is saying God's power gives strength during the struggle. God's power is the secret to endure all the things he's enduring. Paul knows this. He trusts in this. Paul is grateful for the times that the people connect with him and, and, and share, share his distress and, and express their support. He, he very much appreciates that. And when it's not there, he really misses it. He even indicates there was a time he wasn't hearing anything, getting anything from the people of the church. Now, he knew they cared about him. He knew they were concerned. But how great it was when they were finally able to really have a connection again. That something about that human connection confirmed and amplified God's power in the situation. Maybe, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've been through a really difficult time, and you, worked, and you worked hard to keep your faith in that difficult time, but nobody was really reaching out to you. And then one day somebody did. So a friend said, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? And you tell them what's been going on. And they're like, oh my goodness, I'm right here. Man, I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. 
And man, it just feels good because you knew God's power gives strength and you knew this friend would care about you. If you were asked, you'd say, well, sure, I know they care about me. But it's when it's shown as a catalytic effect of God's power. So here's the, here's the thing. Here's, here's where we are uh, in uh, life today. It is, it is that the practice of cocooning is a challenge to the church community. It is a challenge to the church community. It kind of always has been to some extent, but it especially so in the pandemic. Especially. I mean, some of us remember back in the day when you'd come to this church and there'd be several hundred people here. And you'd see people, some of the folks you'd see regularly every week, some just every now and then, but you knew who they were, you chit-chatted. And you'd find out that, and you'd see somebody and, and, and you had heard they, were, they had been ill. I heard you were ill, I'm so sorry. And you had a chance to talk with them. Or somebody would say, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? No, I didn't know that. Well, I think they're here today. I'm, I'm going to go find them and talk to them right now. I mean, we just had this network, right, that just kind of happened. It, it made it so much easier and so much more likely that we were going to connect with each other, especially in these times of trouble, because we would hear it. Because I know that we care. We, we all care about other people. I know we do. So it's, that's, that's something we've lost. You know, part of that is because uh, us, like most churches, most churches across America uh, don't, don't have the same attendance on weekend worship services as they did before the pandemic. That's pretty much all churches. Uh, and so you just don't have the number of people that you were used to seeing. It's just part, you know, part of it. But man, we really retreated into our cocoons in the pandemic. I understand, certainly for safety and, and, and health and all that. I understand that, but man, it just became so easy just to be here. And it's just sometimes it's just that we just haven't seen the people that are going through a difficult time and we don't think about it. We wonder, do I call? Do I? And I confess, friends, as a pastor, I've struggled with this. Because I, I used to kind of count on those Sunday mornings, finding out, hearing things and going, oh, I didn't realize that. I need to... It's been a struggle what to do with all that. Because we do care for one another. And I think we all know that other people care for us. I think we know that. I think we all would affirm God's power gives strength. God's power is available. But man, when there is a show of it, a tangible show of, by a phone call, by a visit, by a, a card you mail, I think they still do that. I think you still mail things. Man, then it's just like, oh, it feels so good. So it's time to develop some new practices. We should be able just to rely on those kinds of uh, uh, running into people experiences. But we need to develop some new practices. So I want you to just right now think of somebody that you know is going through a hard time. They're going through a difficult time. Somebody that you know. Or maybe somebody you just haven't seen for weeks, months. You just haven't even seen them. My guess is every single one of us has somebody in mind. That when you stop and think about it, do I know somebody going through a difficult time? Mm, yep. Okay. Secondly, how will you reach out to them? How will you reach out to them? 
text, a phone call? Will you just go knock on their door and threaten their cocoon? How will you reach out? Who is it? How will you reach out? And third, when will you do it? When will you do it? Will you do it when you get in the car to go home? Will, will it be uh, tomorrow when you're running errands and you know I'll just stop by and see you? Will it be, when is it? When is it you're going to reach out? I have somebody in mind myself. Somebody I need to, I need to reach out to. And I'm going to text them this afternoon and, and see if there's in the next day or two a good time for us to have a phone conversation. I'll let you know how that goes next week. I think that's important, friends, for us to do. Because we can do it. We can do this because we know that God's power gives strength. He gives strength to us going through the difficult times. It gives strength to those of us when we're, we're feeling a little bit nervous about reaching out to somebody. God's power gives strength in those moments. We also need the human connection. We know people care about us. We care about other people. But we need that human connection to confirm and amplify God's power in the situation. So, just to have a visual. So we need to show compassion and share distress with others. Whether they're church members or not, that doesn't matter. Just somebody you know going through a hard time. So who will you contact? How will you contact them? And when will you do it? It's important for us to do this, friends, because when we reach out to somebody and share in their distress, it may just give them the assurance they need to be able to say, oh, I'll always be all right. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your uh, goodness and faithfulness. Because you don't abandon us. You don't leave us. And in difficult times, you are right there to give us power that we need, to give us strength for the situation. And yet, so often we try to go it on our own. We forget. We sulk. God, help us to remember that your goodness and faithfulness is always with us. And so we can lean on that. We can rely on that. But God, also, help us to have the courage to reach out to somebody. Help us to reach out. Give us the strength we need in those times to reach out for someone who may be going through a difficult situation and we're nervous about talking to them, but we know you'll give us strength. And we know that through the, con- the connection that we make, that your strength becomes so overwhelming. God, help us to be those people that will reach out to others and show the concern that we have so that we truly can live more and more into that joyful community that we so desire. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.